It started with the strawberries in April, and now we can see fruit hanging from the trees. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, subsistence farmers using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make all misstatements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian. Welcome to our podcast of June the 27th. Our subject today is our fruit season here in central Alabama on Longleaf Breeze. The, I guess we started out before we planted our first fruit tree or strawberry plant, (laughs) saying how can we extend the season so we have fresh fruit we can pick and eat right away throughout the as long a period as possible. And we eventually settled on this period from April with the strawberries into November with the Asian persimmons. And so we thought we might spend some time today sort of talking through how that season unfolds. We need to make a couple of confessions here at the outset and say, we haven't been doing this that long. No. In fact, uh, as we've said on previous podcasts, any fruit trees we have are pretty young. (laughs) This uh, land that we bought didn't have any fruit trees except native persimmons, which really don't count because they were, they're pretty awful tasting. Those astringent and things. And native muscadines. Native muscadines and native bla- uh, blackberries, yeah. uh, which actually do taste pretty good. But, you know, as far as cultivated fruit, none. So we had to start from scratch. And the oldest tree we have out there is about three and a half years old, right? Exactly. So, so we're, we're still figuring this out. But we thought it was it, we had had enough experience now where we can at least start talking about specific expectations um, for individual varieties and so forth. And we have to say, if you're into botany, we're not talking about fruit in the botanical sense. We're talking about fruit in the conventional sense, like apples and pears and muscadines and blueberries. We're not talking about tomatoes and a lot of other things that, that, that are That actually more, would would uh, yeah. technically be a fruit. That's correct. And, and we understand that we're playing fast and loose with the terminology, but so does the rest of the culture. So get over exactly. it. Exactly. And when you go to a fruit growers conference, it's for that group of... Um, what we're talking about culti- today. Uh, yeah, cultivation <laughs> type plants. So uh, that's what, where I'm we'll go. I'm sure there are very many fruit growers conferences here in Alabama. Growing fruit doesn't seem to have generated enough mass for the commercial guys to form an organization about about it yet. Around here, anyway. Uh, Now, I think we should put in one proviso, which is every year has been different so far for us. We don't really have any... um, And also, climate-wise, they've been different. You know, what, two years ago, we had a winter, actually, wasn't it two years ago? I'm trying to remember yeah. uh, where we actually might have had enough chilling hours for some of those fruit that trees. That was actually uh, three, three winters ago. Three winters ago. Yeah. It recedes into the background. But lately, the winters have been mild, and so the whole chilling hours thing has been uh, affected. You know, we just, some of those fruits, we don't know whether they're not produced. The ones that are not producing, we don't know whether it's because... It's not getting cold enough for long enough, or the trees aren't the right 
choice. So yeah, and I guess what we're we're having to come to grips with the fact that we might as well get used to it. A year when we have nine hundred or a thousand chilling hours may come, but it's going to be the exception. Most yeah. winters are going to be down in that 600, 650, 700 range. And we have some trees out there that uh, supposedly they need more chilling hours. Than That's right. Yeah. And in fact, that may be what happened to the Jonagold that died. You know, maybe it just didn't get enough chilling hours and it couldn't take it. And, and so yeah. it surrendered. And But anyway, we'll replace it with something else, and I suspect that whatever we choose will have a lower chilling requirement. <laughs> that is a good guess. Well, let's talk about the strawberries quickly. Uh, we, As we said, we started in mid-April. It's the end of June. They're still going. I won't say they're going strong. We've done a podcast about that before, about the fact that they're petering out. They're hanging on, but what's left are just little. Finding even a decent-sized strawberry is a rarity. Uh, whereas I started the season with big, luscious ones. So, you know, we know that they're, and, and I see more and more stink bugs, and, you know, just the summer is getting them. The decline The is decline, that's right. But now we've got blueberries. So the strawberries, we're going to say, take us into June into anyway, June, yeah, and maybe yeah. even through June. A lot depends on how hot it gets and how quickly it gets hot. And then our first sort of heavy, we, we got two production fruit crops, blueberries and muscadines, and the so that takes us to our first production crop, which is the blueberries. Uh, we can pretty much count on them uh, to begin in late May and run through July. We didn't have much in late May this year. They were just beginning to, you know. True, but to, we had Lee's conflagration. Well, we're hoping with. that after, that in a year when you have not burned the, the blueberries. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that they will produce. So earlier. call it June through July uh, for blueberries. And uh, we've got a lot of them. We expect that after Lee can get over his habit of burning the blueberries, uh, that we will have good, steady production from them for all of June, all of July. Right. Uh, we're put, picking heavily from the premier blueberry now. Uh, we won't be able to pick heavily from the mid-season varieties this year because all of the berries from them, uh, they're, they're too immature. Um, they, yeah, and the, and the reason they're immature, just by way of review, is that um, it's not that we planted new ones, but after the fire, which was in January, at first you thought a lot of those plants were dead, and then they uh, they sent up new shoots. They did resurrect themselves. They but have just... resurrected. They are phoenixes rising from l the ashes, yeah. literally. <laughs> yeah, literally. And um, so it looks as if we're we're basically okay with the blueberries, but we're delayed by a couple of years. Mm -hmm. So that brings us to peaches. Oh, we, I was so thrilled when you brought in the first of the peaches. Uh, and this year, I thought maybe it would be from the June gold because the yeah, name the June gold is just not producing this year, but the harvester is. The harvester peaches are just luscious and beautiful, and they're doing great. So we're very we're grateful for them. Mm -hmm. uh, early July, we think we can start depending on figs to come in. We see some little figs on the trees. We see figs they're on the brown ready. turkey, on the LSU gold, on the LSU black. Uh, that's probably all. We've also have. lost a couple of fig trees. Yeah, just we have. mysteriously died. Uh, didn't you say one of the LSU 
blacks died? Yeah, one of the yeah. LSU blacks went down. Um, we do have an LSU, a, a, a lemon fig from Linda Griebel, and it's new and is not producing anything this year. But, but it's doing we're well. we that it will do well in, in future yeah, years. Yeah, she gave us a cutting. I Actually, we rooted those in water, put out several cuttings into the ground, um, and decided, well, at least one of those, whichever one gets the largest and healthiest looking, we'll leave. And um, I'm pleased to say that that technique worked. They were yeah. good. Uh, that takes us to mid-July or so when we can start looking for apples to I, come in. I see them, as I was saying in, uh, in the intro, I'm seeing fruit hanging from the trees. And uh, in addition to the peaches, what really catches your eye as you walk past the orchard trees are Immature apples and immature pears on the trees, but it's the most I've ever seen since we've been here. It's just I agree. so fun. We're we're seeing much more fruit now, as we should. I mean, these trees are getting a little more mature and a little more mature, and they're coming in. So that's apples and pears. Pears will start a little late, a little after the first of the apples, and both of them will will probably produce fruit through the month of October. We hope so. And that brings us to the next big wave, which is muscadines. Oh, and I'm looking forward to that because the muscadines that we planted out there, those all came from petals. Uh, they are huge and luscious when mature, so and I'm looking forward to talk about seeing more fruit this year. Uh, we're looking for a good year from the muscadines this year because we've got Granny Val's producing in quantity. We've got Black Beauties. We've got Supremes all producing in quantity. Uh, some fruit from the Nesbitt, but uh, mainly it's Granny Valve, Supreme, and um, Black Beauty. But we're we're looking for a good year from and, the Muscadines. And when do you think those will start? The end of August, I would say, and um, they will continue to be ripening and ready to eat through September. Okay, good. And maybe into October, we'll mm -hmm. just have to see. Yeah, maybe make some jam this year. Yeah. And then bringing up the rear, these funky persimmons. And as we have said in many other settings, this is not the native persimmon that you grew up eating as a child that turned your mouth inside out. <laughs> this is an Asian persimmon, and it's a mild, sweet, firm fruit that will begin sometime in October and then run all the way into mid-November, even after the first light frost. The, we can continue to pick Asian persimmons. And this is the first year, well, we had a couple of persimmons on the, one of the uh, Fuyus last year, but they fell off before maturing. Yeah, that was This year we have enough on the Fuyus that I feel confident, surely we'll get some edible fruit. I'm really looking forward to trying those. We've, we sampled them at Petals, Petals from the Past, which is where we purchased the trees, and just thoroughly enjoyed them. Um, so I, that's something I look forward to having lots of. Me too. I think that we will enjoy eating the persimmons. We will enjoy sharing the persimmons. And um, so we're excited to see some honest-to-goodness production this year. I wouldn't call it production level. I mean, I'm, we may have a total of a dozen persimmons forming out there. 
but it should be enough so that a few of them will make it through and we'll find be out. ripe and it's, ready to eat. We'll find out this year how they how they do. And then we've got some other other fruit trees out there that you haven't mentioned yet. Yeah, some things that we just really don't know enough to say what the seasonality is going to be. For example, I picked and ate an Ozark Premier Plum while you and Adrian were driving across the country. It was delicious. Really? It tasted really good. But we only got one plum. So I don't know, you know, does that mean that the plums are going to produce all summer or that they're going to all come in June and be done? Yeah, like was that an early one that just happened to be ready? So that, yeah, that's a, the jury's out on the plums for us. But we had none or maybe one last year. Yeah, I may have had one loose plum last year or something like that. Pomegranates, I think they're late season, but I'm not sure. Um, we have these two loquat trees that Linda gave us, and we have planted them, and they seem to be doing okay. Yeah. But we don't have any idea when they're going to produce fruit. I think it may be earlier. But they're they're little trees now. I mean, they're immature, so it might be a couple of years before we even have any loquats yeah. from them. And yeah. I did not put it on our list for the outline, but also kiwi fruit. Yeah. Don't know exactly when to expect kiwi fruit to those, be available. Those trees are planted out on Veg Hill, uh, but we just planted them this past spring, so or toward the end of the winter into early spring. So, uh, again, we may have be looking at several years before we... Um, Probably will yeah. be. And then we didn't talk about the blackberries, did we? Don't oh my goodness, did I not mention no, blackberries? No, blackberries oh my okay. we have now, actually. Blackberries <laughs> are peaking now, um, so call them June, I would say. Mid-June through early July uh, would be my guess for blackberries, and I apologize for not including Oh, it's okay, uh, because what I wanted to mention, or for you to mention, is your observation about... <clears throat> the fact that the thornless blackberries have turned out to be have a little bit better flavor than the thorny and we didn't think it would be that way didn't think it would be that way yeah i'll try to remember to include a link to that on the show notes page yeah so that if you're interested in that you can find it easily um so and and there's some you know good close-up photography of the various blackberry fruit there so you can see how they compare in size. And yeah, so you forth. did a great job of that. Um, perhaps it's because you benefited from what Michelle Bendy told our Master Gardener group. She talked about uh, nature photography, specifically gardening photography. And uh, her name's Michelle Bendy. Uh, she's online, B-E-N-D-E. I would recommend she 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 used the kind of approach to teaching somebody like me. I mean, I'm not that into it, you know, um, that I think I could actually do it. And you already were pretty experienced with your photography. So um, you just added to your knowledge. But those were great shots you made. And Well, what, thank you. Thank you for sharing them with us. All right. So let's switch gears now and talk a little bit about how we get through the period from November through March when we don't yeah. have fresh fruit That's right. Available. I mean, unless some, some oddity occurs and we have... Well, we are talking about planting some citrus fruit. Yes, but, but that I would won't assume be... they wouldn't be bearing fruit no, during they wouldn't. the winter. They wouldn't be. But I'm just saying, you know, that it might keep better. I mean, you can Maybe. if you picked it, you might be able to refrigerate it. Um, well, obviously, we just won't have as much fresh fruit to eat um, unless we purchase it 
and it's shipped from someplace. Yeah, but we, good point. Yeah. We just would end up eating less. Yeah, but um, we can also freeze. We've been do, going to George Brown's uh, pick and freezing blueberries that we picked there for years now. And that's working out very well. You have a nice, comfortable approach to that. What we do is pick the blueberries, do not wash them, spread them out on a baking sheet so they're not touching, and freeze them so they're hard, and they're like little marbles. And then we pour all of those blueberries into a Ziploc bag and freeze them in that Ziploc bag. And then when we're ready to eat them, we just pour them out. Right. Yeah, that keeps really well. And we have some that we've had from the U-Pick for a year or two now. Uh, We also... We've not tried it, but we could freeze muscadines, can't we? Actually, we, we did try it. Did you we? may not remember. Okay, I really am not remembering it. Maybe that was one of your things. Last summer, sort of as, a, as an experiment, well, very much as an experiment, I froze probably two quarts of fresh muscadines. And the, the main reason I wanted to do it was just to see how they would taste when you ate them. And it's like eating a popsicle. You know, you you pull out a frozen mm. muscadine, and you kind of chuck it around in your mouth. A popsicle kind of, with seeds in it, but yes. Well, that's right. So you kind of, <laughs> kind of got it warm enough. And then, you, you know, after it warms up a little bit, then you can bite into it. And yes, you do end up with seeds, so you have to spit the seeds out. But I found it quite pleasant, so I'm not at all okay. nervous about uh, our being able to freeze muscadines. I think that'll work just fine. The only concern I have about freezing muscadines is the space. You know, these are yeah. these muscadines are not little bitty berries; they're decent sized berries. Take up a good so. bit of space, yeah. Well, and another possibility, um, and we do have more space to store this way, are jams that we make. And the jam, strawberry jam that you made a couple of weeks ago without using any sugar or any sweetener or any sweetener at all are deli- that's delicious jam and we can actually use it i think we've talked about it. it's almost like more like a compote really you could put it on ice cream or whatever but that's a good way to get your berry still your your fruit in a form that was made from fresh fruit that we grew here um, and yet preserve it and use it into the winter time i agree and now that we've sort of learned how we can do this, I think the same approach could work with blueberries and muscadines, which of course are our two main production fruits. We can produce those in quantity with relatively little effort. So we ought to be able to make a muscadine jam with no added sweetener, a blueberry jam with no added sweetener. and Maybe even blackberry. Maybe even blackberry. Um, And if we can do that, then that gives you all kinds of options because, you know, I, you it's guiltless. You can just scoop up a spoonful of that muscadine jam or that strawberry jam and enjoy it knowing you're not getting a bunch of sugar with it. And you and I enjoy that. We, we do believe that in the South in particular, people are accustomed to sweet tasting jams and jellies. So they, our average fellow consumer may not care for it as much as we do, True. but we're, we're, we invite you to taste it once we get them made or taste the strawberry jam and see if you don't enjoy it. And like you said, knowing it's guiltless will make a lot of people happy. But, well, I guess we've just about run out of time. We today. have just about run out of time, but we did get all the way through the season, and I'm grateful for that. And we will look forward to visiting with you next week. Take care. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. 
You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama, 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log and check in with Lee and Amanda. That's longleafbreeze.com.